I'm Gabriela Fresquez, and this is Radar 2021. It's been one year since we became a population of poorly groomed, elbow-bumping, anthropophobics, a.k.a. people who fear other people. Every time I see a crowded bar scene in a movie, I have to stop myself from shouting six feet at my television. But beyond deciding whether to spend Friday nights in our bedroom or our living room, the pandemic has been so disruptive to daily life, it's given an entirely new meaning to the term cancel culture. The mayor announced all the city's most popular summer festivals will be canceled. A devastating blow to Austin's economy as the city declares a disaster and cancels this year's South by Southwest Festival. For the first time in more than two centuries, New York City's St. Patrick's Day Parade will be postponed. Things we took for granted. CrossFit, Coachella, Comic-Con and sports stuff became risky business. And when it came to the initial safer at home recommendation, some prepped for their own version of the Great British Baking Show, while others indulged in various forms of self-care. And many felt compelled to uh, mimic their favorite contestants for a pandemic edition of Hoarders. For days, this has been the picture of America. In California, the Northgate Gonzalez Market, one of many shoppers now opening early. And the paper goods aisle looked like this. Despite its universal reach, COVID-19 hasn't been the great equalizer wealthy people feared it would be. Today, a whole year later, we continue to see the disproportionate effect it's had on people of color, especially within the Latinx community. COVID takes a higher statistical toll on minorities in underinsured communities. New study shows that COVID continues to hit minority communities so much harder. But we also saw the way people persevered, even reinvented themselves. The wedding industry down here is huge. I mean, I've heard people say that there's 100,000 weddings every year, and it just all came to a halt. It just all stopped overnight. We had a lot of cancellations, uh, a lot of postponements, indefinite postponements. Some got restricted, so we went from large weddings of 100, 200 guests to, okay, it's just going to be you know, my mom and dad and his mom and dad, and that's it. We tried to adjust. Uh, what we did was we offered an elopement package uh, for smaller, more intimate weddings. And really it was, it brought people closer together, I feel. We've been forced to kind of evaluate uh, what really matters and make those life changes. And we had to apply that to our business as well in order to survive. We had to think about what, look at our expenses, look at our, how we operate and just think about what really matters. And you realize it's really about just uh, being there for that person's important moment in their life. Seeing couples come together during this time was, it was wonderful, honestly, because it, it brought back sort of what really matters. People started to value more the well-being of themselves as a couple and of their close family. They put that first, as opposed to the glamour and the, you know, how many people are there, and it's really about the couple. Things started to balance out and have it be more about is my grandma and grandpa going to be okay is it safe for them to be there so it just made it so much more intimate and really just full of love entire communities and businesses adapting and in some cases completely transforming as they braced for impact in the beginning of the pandemic uh, that's when we started figuring out everything alone with my brother uh, we decided to furlough everyone, you know, ask them for a little patience until we knew what was going on and opened and closed us two alone. 
So, I mean, it, it was pretty rough, uh, but we got by it. Before they closed us down on our tables, we would serve, you know, regular restaurant, we'd serve tables. We are a hybrid, so I do have a meat market, I have a deli, I have a bakery, you know, we make everything in-house. And it was, it was rough because since we do everything in-house, that made uh, our job three times as harder. We started to listen to the community what people were asking for. Uh, we don't sell eggs, we don't sell milk, we, don't, we wouldn't sell dry product. We created aisles with all the immediate products everyone needed. We provided curbside pickup for those who were afraid to get out of their vehicle. We provided delivery. The community responded very, very well. Everyone was helping us. Everyone was shooting, you know, sharing stories on Instagram. As a community, we teamed up with different restaurants. Uh, I even offered myself to work at someone else's restaurant if I had time. And that's, that's what we do. We're here to help each other. We will only work with family-owned and local businesses. You know, I don't work with big chains. That's another way we helped each other out. I'm so grateful for my community and the other business owners that we really did help each other out. We really did. You know, we would text each other, find out, hey, are you okay? Are you, are you still holding on? Made sure even mentally we were okay. And my goal was to make sure everyone was safe and happy. And in downtown LA, the nonprofit Homeboy Industries completely shifted its business model to address food security and a lack of COVID preparedness within the community. Basically doubling down on some major karma points by providing resources and hope to some of our most vulnerable. Meet the homegirl staff that's ready to serve the community. We're about to feed home. Hashtag curbside We're here to serve you. We're here for everyone. You know, we were deemed a, an essential uh organization by the mayor. Initially, we were able to pivot our, our restaurants and our businesses in order to be able to address food insecurity in the in the county. So we were able to, you know, provide 30,000 meals a week uh, with a program we, we called Feed Hope. We want to be a place that infuses hope for folks for whom hope is foreign, give you a reason to get up in the morning and a reason not to gangbang the night before, and connect people to a larger love, if you will. Before the pandemic, I had just gotten out of prison about a year. So coming out from a juvenile life sentence, 25 years, I've learned, especially here at Homeboy Industries, that survival uh, for oneself is to help others survive. A lot of our community members, this is our home. This is the only safe home that we have. And so it is very essential that we remain open and we're providing the services that are keeping our members connected um, to hope. So we have a Feed Hope team that prepares meal meals for the senior citizens here in LA County. We provide um, PPEs, uh, safety gears. We were able to host for a day uh, to provide vaccination, the COVID vaccinations for a lot of our community members who otherwise wouldn't have gotten it or wouldn't want it. We've been working so hard to communicate and spread the awareness. Everything from safety to prevention to um, really being educated about the vaccine and the, the COVID virus itself. And so I'm very fort fortunate to be able to play that part to help others. I think people felt uh, heartened to be deemed essential because they're used to being deemed disposable and demonized and, and left out and not included. And I think what everybody expected, especially in the nonprofit world, was that people would, would retire and shrink in their generosity. And 
And instead of uh, building a wall, they, they built a longer table. The pandemic has forced us to reevaluate a lot of things, from personal hygiene, to who we spend our time with, to why we never invested in ZoomStock. It also forced us to think more critically about who's essential, like people who deliver our mail, our local grocery store clerks, or the garbage collector who never waves back, or literally anybody who works in the medical field. I want to hug these people every time I see them, but it would literally be akin to spitting in their face, which would still be much worse, but you get what I mean. Latinxes are the second largest demographic of essential workers, but we're overrepresented in the lowest paying essential industries. Like farm workers who work in fields often work without PPE, much less paid sick leave or access to regular testing. Social distancing is a luxury they just can't afford. ¿Cómo te sientes siendo una campesina con todo lo que está ocurriendo sobre el coronavirus? Pues tenemos un temor a que nos vayamos a enfermar y pues en el trabajo es algo normal para todos, nadie dice nada. Dijeron si están enfermos no se presenten a trabajar y pero no creo que nos vayan a pagar. California is sending more resources to help farm workers in the Central Valley. Among the deadliest jobs because of the pandemic is restaurant and agricultural work. In fact, if you're in those industries, your chance of death doubles to about 40%. What's worse, researchers found Latinos in those industries saw their chance of death go up to about 60%. In California's Salinas Valley, community members came together with one goal, to improve working conditions for migrant farmers. We have to realize whether you're living in Nebraska or you're living in Georgia that we're all dependent on farm work. So what COVID has done is revealed all the problems around agriculture and farm work in California, meaning the low pay, the crowded housing, the irrational immigration policies. So we have a, a perfect storm for infection. The clinics that we were working in saw incredibly high rates of infection, close to even you know, 30% of the population being tested were infected. We brought together the growers, the advocates, the people that sometimes had never, never wanted to talk to each other. We brought them all to the table. And then we had the backing of this, the Community Foundation, we have seen a coming together of the community to increase testing, to increase vaccination, to provide wraparound care, to provide community health workers, to, to provide masks. Unless we're going to get a lot of American citizens willing to work in the field, we have to recognize that we are dependent on mostly Mexican farm workers or undocumented people who've lived here for 20 years um, or more sometimes to bring the food to our tables. It serves everybody to make sure this population is healthy. The pandemic has tested our patients, relationships, livers, and for the privileged among us, it's offered ample time to contemplate our next Netflix binge, have a good old-fashioned existential meltdown, or make a completely unnecessary 3 a.m. Amazon purchase. It was three cases of edible glitter, and I am not sorry. It also revealed massive cracks in our society and government that have left many behind. And no community felt the impact of that more than the millions of undocumented immigrant workers in this country, many of whom are considered essential 
but have largely been excluded from government aid since the pandemic began. That $1.9 trillion relief bill that just passed? Yeah, they're not included. Which is why two Latinas from the University of Maryland decided to step in when the government didn't. We actually saw a news clip at the beginning of the pandemic in April um, where they were covering the impact that COVID was having on Langley Park. We were like, okay, let's see how we can put uh, some funds together, get them some beds or some clothes and food. By word of mouth, it just became an organization. The mission of Alderia really resonated with me, so I decided to get involved. I had a lot of time on my hands and slowly but surely got further and further into um, helping out wherever I could. I felt connected to a lot of the people they were helping because, well, as an immigrant myself, I, I just understood their situation and I just wanted to give back in some way. At the beginning, um, I was just like, okay, well, we'll name this after, you know, my mom because we're doing this because this is literally what my mom would have been doing if she was here. In total, we've been able to assist over 1,400 families. Um, we are currently serving 1,000 families on a biweekly basis. So um, we try to deliver enough uh, food and essentials for two weeks. It's uh, primarily underserved immigrant families, and it's uh, mostly Latinx families. I feel like I'm giving back to my community, and I'm um, I'm there for my neighbors when they need me, and I know that they would be there for me as well. It's amazing what you can do just by getting together and taking what taking it one step at a time. Throughout the pandemic, our digital devices have been a lifeline. They're how we've connected with loved ones, avoided the supermarket, and discover the simple pleasures of ordering margaritas to go. But as it turns out, accessible Wi-Fi is also something many of us didn't realize we were taking for granted. Nearly 40% of Latinxes don't have access to broadband at home. While many of us were busy Zoom-splaining to our parents, an entirely unexpected social divide was widening. The digital one. It's been the most difficult time for, for families as we've seen, uh, you know, across the country that are uh, having to support their, their children's learning at home uh, through remote learning. And these, you know, challenges are as a result of, of a lot of different reasons. Well, we did this survey with Latino Decisions uh, last summer. Um, uh, we really wanted to, as, as schools had closed down, uh, to gain uh, a really understanding and lift up the voice of Latino families. Over half of families, about 53%, uh, were indicating that they didn't have enough devices at home to support their children's learning. Uh, one in three families didn't have regular access to the internet. Today, nonprofits like NYC Mesh and US Ignite are working to make broadband internet access more equitable and accessible in communities throughout the country. We're bringing internet to people who uh, either can't afford it uh, or it's not available to them. So we're this organization which is owned and uh, run by volunteers who are in the neighborhood. The areas that are farther away from Manhattan, that are farther out in Brooklyn and, and Queens, um, there's less infrastructure. And so there's problems like this. And so what we're doing to address this is by creating this network that we make ourselves and the community makes with us, um, we're deploying internet into places that um, that don't have internet. We need to use technology and use new business models to get to more people faster, at lower cost, at higher reliability, on a more equitable basis. It's been fairly clear to people just how pivotal 
uh, broadband networks are in their in their lives, that it's available for everyone, that it's available on an equal basis. Those things have become uh, uh, much more obvious to people throughout this pandemic. We know that there's there's no difference uh, in, in in sort of the you know the goals and the dreams and aspirations that immigrant you know families want for their kids, uh, but there is a difference and a gap in in them receiving the the the, the quality services that they need to ensure their their children are receiving a, a quality education. And if this pandemic uh, didn't teach us anything about uh, about about inequities, right, then uh, we, we wouldn't have learned the lesson. Managing the coronavirus outbreak in the U.S. has proven to be messy, complicated, and frequently inequitable. Yes, but as we've seen, it's also given people an opportunity to step in where society has failed. Few of us will walk away from this chaotic year unscathed. We've lost a lot, but strength and perseverance has always defined the Latinx and immigrant communities. And hopefully, these stories are just more examples of how, despite all odds, we will be okay. But if you happen to find yourself questioning whether eating pizza in a bathtub while blasting Britney Spears and rooting for an end to her captivity, but mostly yours is a legitimate way to cope, the answer is unquestionably yes. I'm Gabriela Fresquez for Radar 2021. Thanks for watching Radar 2021. Please like, subscribe, and comment down below and let us know what issues are important to you. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of issues to choose from. <laughs> so, so many.